And Radio Check is back with episode 16. Here's Keeper, Mare de Terre, K8, and Peaches, with a beautiful introduction of episode 2 that Keeper didn't know she was giving right in the middle of the interview. Hope you enjoy. Radio Check. Seems like things have gotten a lot better in the department, that it's not perfect yet in terms of balance, that it's not like there's no issues, but there's still, you know... I think, speaking for all of us, we've felt successful in our roles as women in leadership in the Rangers and also have these connections with other women Rangers on the field and doing the thing. And that it's become a bigger, better, more inclusive department. I'd like to think that. Wonder if that's true from what you guys see. <clears throat> and that there's still obstacles to overcome too. Like I remember, um, well, Kate, you and I were kind of talking about this, that like when we were first starting out, uh, if you could even manage to get one radio for each ranger that was going out at the time, you were lucky because Mary refreshed my memory, but we ran out of radios sometimes. Oh, many times. Many, many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> and so kind of like standing way things would happen would be uh, you, if there weren't enough shift radios for everybody, they would give one per the pair. Right. And that it seemed like anytime something actually happened, it was more likely going to be your partners calling it in because there was this culture of like, oh, well, you've got to be you've got to be known to get to do anything. So to get known, you've got to be the voice on the radio. You've Mm got to get noticed that way. That's the only way we're really hearing people out in the field. And then after a while, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, that guy. I've heard that guy on the radio before. And it just kind of seemed like the default thing was like that person makes the radio call and, um, you know, and then we started integrating that, I think, into our practice of mentoring of like, hey, everyone's going to make radio calls. All, all the people are going to be making radio calls. Get your voice up there. And I think I, I know for me and I know other people do this too, that like when I'm shift leading, I'm making sure <clears throat> when I'm calling out to to pairs to check in on them, I'm trying to call the person who hasn't made a radio call yet to make sure that they get that airtime, practice, comfort with the radio, whatever you want to say, visibility, really, and feel like, hey, you're part of the team, too. And I hope hope that that <clears throat> feels like it goes around, uh, you know, permeates the culture or whatever you want to say. But I know, uh, Kate, you told me another story about um, just trying to suss out people's reactions to what it's like to have a female partner and making sure that's oh. going to go right. Yeah, so this was this was inspired by Cathasaurus's uh, calendar picture, which at the time I didn't know that that was cat's ass. Um. <laughs> and now the world knows. Now the world knows. <laughs> Nobody knew, Kate. It <laughs> was the biggest Ranger secret ever. She outed. Her she herself. totally talked about it in her podcast. But yeah. I when I learned that as a women as a woman of khaki, I was like, "This is like learning the secret handshake." Knowing <laughs> whose butt that is. Yeah. <laughs> so I got some ranger, I got some ranger panties made. I must have no tip. Uh, <laughs> um, and I had this short, short, short little leopard print or cheetah print. Uh, skirt and I would go out before the beginning of a mentor shift and Dallas guy would come and and just watch and I would walk into the middle of the whatever and talk to somebody at HQ and then I would drop my pencil and bend over and pick up my pencil and if anyone in the alpha shift 
spent more time than Dowsky felt comfortable observing me pick up my pencil, she would go and have a conversation with them about like, so <laughs> I see you appreciate those panties. Uh, What's it going to be like when a, part, a naked female participant comes up to you? Um, and I know she had this conversation with all gender spectrum people, <laughs> but that we, we dubbed them my sexual harassment panties. <laughs> Which was great when I was later the personnel manager. <laughs> but it was, it was like, you can't even make it to your job interview without screwing up. <laughs> Just, that's, a thing. that's a thing. So something else that came up um, just from talking with everyone a little bit or reflecting on what we've done here is uh, there is a significant amount of, of burnout that can happen, right? And I think this is true regardless of who you are, but in a ranger leadership position, someone once told me, uh, I think it was Danger that said this, that Burning Man eats its young. <laughs> you, get, you get pulled in and get this thing. And uh, you're so excited, like, yeah, I'm going to... I'm gonna fix that thing. I'm gonna make a manual for HQ. I'm gonna have comms that actually comes from the communications department. You know, I'm gonna make sure that shift leads know who their rangers are and all that kind of stuff. And pretty soon, you're kind of doing it and doing it and doing it all the time. Mary, you were talking once about um, trying to come back from a shift that was almost 24 hours long. I want to mm -hmm. say, you know, and um, okay, I. I think if I tried to count the number of doubles you pulled, I would run out of fingers and toes and maybe hairs also. <laughs> and peaches, I feel like in your current role, you're never not on the radio, right? Mm -hmm. So I wonder if you guys could speak to both what that burnout uh, feels like, how you get there, what's some tips and tricks for managing it, um, and how to be a good leader for people who, you know, are, are with you on that ride. I, I had one shift that, uh, one, week that was 128 hours Oof. when my uh, lead, not lead, but when um, feline had to go into, right, right. you know. Oh, she got bit. Was that the year she, she got, got bit, bit by, by that rodent that we were hiding in HQ in the air conditioning in a container so Sea Dog wouldn't see it and, oh, and eat it or, you know, but um, she got, it chewed its way out and bit her and she had to go. Another ranger, D, Miss D, Shawnee, she was there with me. We both did 100 and, and that was altered. Somebody went back and changed it, that number of hours, so it was under 100 hours. It, like yeah. went in the clubhouse and changed their hours? Well, that's somebody who can do that, did it? Back in the day, 16 hours was, you know, every every day, every other day, you know. And with shift leads, I mean, you, you know, and you guys, you do that too. And that was back when, a long time ago, ranger shifts were actually eight hours long. And Peaches, you might remember what year it happened, that it switched from eight to six or eight. Down to seven? seven or eight. Seven or eight? Yeah. Sounds about right. And not only was the dirt ranger shift changing then, HQ was changing at the same time. And I was like, who's, who's <laughs> that was a nightmare. So we changed it an hour before the shift or after the shift, I think it was. And then, you know, they were six hour shifts. But as far as burnout, I liked what I was doing so much. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to quit, you know. And I loved interacting with my staff and trying to watch out for them 
figure out what would work. I think for me, I mean, you know, one, you know, like over the years, the reason I was coming to Burning Man was to do this and to, to support the Rangers. So that's really why I was there. So I didn't feel for a number of years that I needed to go to Burning Man. So camping in Tokyo and being involved in the leadership there and, you know, my friends who were there you know, doing that was enough. But I think that you just get fatigued doing that and you forget that, you know, that there's a whole, obviously, we all know that there's a whole lot more to Burning Man than the party. I mean, I came to Burning Man because it's this experience, an intentional community and the Rangers are truly that. But what I've learned through a couple of very astute partners and friends is that, you know, Peaches needs to take a couple of days off <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> and go out and do something, whether it was to go out and dance or just sometimes to take a half a day and go out on foot and go into some of the little camps during the day and do the little things that they do during the day, you know, just talking to people. Um, and that energizes me. And, um, you know, just going out and doing something else, um, even if it's not just relaxing at camp, it's just engaging in, engaging in Burning Man in a very different way. And it's, um, so I, I have done the walking around and interacting with people. Um, sometimes just those of us at Tokyo, whatever, we used to have a Tokyo night out. We've been having a harder time doing that, but we would go out and, and see the arts. So we've been all, you know, few of us get together to try to do that. And then you know, my boyfriend, camps in a different camp and I do two nights out with his camp um, working on a, on a tiki bar car and that's a completely different way to serve the Burning Man participants I have to tell you and I get a whole lot more respect for us <laughs> all those people who are, doing the, who are doing the mutant vehicles holy cow but I think that's part of it is just switching it up yeah I remember um decompressing with you one morning I think you had just worked a grave you were at the 10-7 the bar that's part of Tokyo we we're having bloody more bloody Mary at dawn and um this guy came up with a set of pan pipes oh, talking about one of my favorite Burning Man moments we were all just standing there at the 10-7 right and we're talking talking right and we just hear this hauntingly beautiful music right and this guy comes in, and he's playing these, you know, these pan pipes, these wooden pipes. And he finishes, and we just all like, bravo, bravo, and come over, we'll make you a Bloody Mary, talk to him, he plays for us a few times, and then off he goes, and we just all looked at each other and said, I mean, I would probably come back to Burning Man if I didn't have one of those moments every year, but to have at least one of those moments of just pure magic. Yeah, yeah. This explains last year for me a lot because I didn't have any of that, and I ended up having a meltdown <laughs> towards the end of the week. <laughs> um, so sorry, all of Burning Man for 2019. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like in my off-season jobs, I know that when, I, when the first email that I write to someone isn't nice, that it's time to find a new off-season job. Like if I can't be nice to people, then mm -hmm. I need a new job. Um, and on Playa, it's having, like, going to Burning Man, but also having, like, trusted others that you can decompress about Ranger stuff with, but who will, who will also be like, you are totally crispy. I remember Zeitgeist, when Easy and I were the personnel managers, um, was like, on Thursday, was like, called us into the khaki shack, and was like, I hear you both, and you're both making very bad decisions. Yeah. If I hear you on the radio again, I'm going to stun your radios. And he and I looked at each other and I was like, I don't know if I can. Will you just take it? <laughs> <laughs> 
so we left our radios with Zeitgeist for 24 hours, and it was like the best day. Like, and we're circus pants, and I like rode in our cars, and so yeah, I think um, remember remembering why we went out there. Like, I used to camp with Disorient. Like, I was a little rave kid, you know, um, and getting in touch with that community that doesn't deal with some of the heavy shit that we deal with, um, yeah. and the mundane shit that we deal with, um, and just getting your dance on. That's a great way to decompress. Um, I wanted to remind you of one other thing. I don't know if it was Zeitgeist who gave you this advice or somebody else said, um, y'all need to change your call signs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we were like, it was just the two of us and there wasn't a whole team. And You and Easy, you mean? Yeah, Easy and I. And it was pretty new. Um, like, App and I had kind of started doing the behind the scenes stuff, but now we were going to, like, Rangers got the idea that there was a personnel manager thing. And so personnel manager means like, we're going to go have a conversation about a thing. Like it's going to be either a right the ship conversation or a flame. Tell me more about this because in our philosophy, that's just not cool. Stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And working with other departments and that kind of stuff. Um, so there's a lot of coordination and we would call each other on the radio. And I think it was like guys who was like, people are shitting their pants every time they hear one of you call for the other. We made up new call signs for HR stuff where I, uh, I think he was spa day and I was foot rub. <laughs> so that it was nice, like, that sounds pleasant. Uh, because it, we, were, we were just causing people undue anxiety and causing them to avoid us, which is not, That's not fun. cool either. Yeah, K8 is calling me. I I have no radio. You can't find me anywhere. But if Spa Day is calling me, oh yeah, yeah. Where's that fluffer station? Up. I know. A couple times, uh, Boiler would come by and um, grab me out of HQ and drive me around to some of the camps at night. Always stop by once a shift and would get a coffee order from me you know, and then, show, or just show up with it. And that just, you know, there, a lot of people did little things like that. And that just did, was so much, you know, that was like a little vacation. And there also, I think just connecting this to the leadership role, you did stuff like that all the time for people. So I oh, love yeah. your example of the X on the floor, put the ranger right where the AC is blowing. And I know that you used to get coffee and meals and stuff to support your own volunteer staff when they were working. Oh, yeah. Too, yeah, I would just sort of be watching and seeing who needed a break that didn't want to take a break and go, you know, oh, my God, if I don't get some coffee, I'm just going to have a seizure right here. You know, I'm going to fall down. Would you please go get me some from and take an order from everybody in the back, too. And you take her with you, you know. And, and uh, yeah, so there was a lot of silent, secret, manipulative stuff going on, you know. <laughs> But I, I love the people I worked with. It was uh, most of them. That got me through a few of the graveyard shifts where it was just like strobe and me and slip on just hanging out, learning what it was like to be a shift lead. So you guys work so hard. We're all in there together, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, then one of the other things uh, when I started running HQ is, or before I started running HQ is that I realized that there was no way the staff, the HQ staff to give feedback to anybody, you know, about HQ. And so one year I said, hey, you know, I put out a, a, a thing on the HQ list. And that was the other thing. We started an HQ list so we could talk. And, um, you know, like, hey, tell us what worked for you, what didn't, high points, low points. And if it's something about me, you can let me know, you know, or you can let Feline know that I want 
feedback. I want to know how you guys are feeling about this and that. And that really hadn't had a place to happen before. And that whole thing about finding, like, who's good at what. The bottom line is, if you can't wear a radio and, and listen to that and work the front window at the same time, you probably don't have kids, for one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're certainly not a mother. I'm just saying, or a good dad, but, uh, you, you know, you couldn't work there. You just couldn't do it. That's bottom line part of the job. The other thing is that you have to be nice to the people that come to the window. You know, you've got to try, at least. Yeah, I think that's a really key point right there that you're touching on. And, Kay, you kind of did it, too, when you were talking about what kind of emails am I writing to people when I'm right. done, right? Like, 90-whatever percent of people we're interacting with have no idea that our stress level is way up here and all the nasty, gross stuff that we've looked at all through the week. And you still have to be able to have that presence and peace of mind to look someone in the eye, be in the moment, and have that genuine conversation with them, connection with them about whatever's going on right then. That's their thing. That's huge, I think. You know, one of the things that, you know, we train so heavily, right, about, you know, kicking it sideways or kicking it up or kicking it to khaki. Or kick, you're totally true. You're, you're out there in the dirt, dirt ranger. Um, but we tend to think about it as like sometimes, a little bit maybe if you think it's outside your skill set, but how about just if you're fried? You know, and there are there's so many times like maybe we're short on khakis or it's just been a super hard shift or maybe it's been a bit long or whatever and you know one of the one of the many arguments for having um you know multiple you know shift leads and also really diverse shift leads is you know, and people have worked together so that if somebody's getting really fried you can say hey kick it over so you know we can support you but also recognizing when you're being like that um and because you're not just impacting one person if you're really snappy or snarky on the radio you're you know even if it, you're snapping at one person you're affecting your entire shift and and we really need and i think that the rangers have been doing a much better job and a lot of us have worked really hard at it to to have that feedback um kind of atmosphere and that having the the freedom or the support to be able to reach out and say to somebody, it's, and I, it's happened to me. Kate, I know it's happened to you. In fact, I, you know, you and I've done it for each other. It's the shoulder tap and take a walk or get a cup of coffee or something. Because when you're in, in the groove, you, you don't know. Yeah, we had uh, office stuff going. I've never worked in office before, you know, and so I'm like, well, this is cool. I get to make up the rules. Oh my God, I just want to have fun. But I walked into HQ and it was like I had to cut my way through the air to get to my chair because I could just feel what? Something's going on. Something going on. And I said, oh, hey, so-and-so, come with me. I got to go here. Would you come with me? Yeah, and I'm like, what is going on? And she told me a story. I was like, oh, I get it. Okay, cool. I go back and then wait an hour. So I'm like, hey, so-and-so, the other person, would you come with me? I got to get some coffee again, you know, and talk to them. And this because the office is little, you know, it's like, I can't live through this shift if it's going to be like this. You know, we're not going to make it in the box. It would become a box of death. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it, 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 there was a lot of little things like that, you know, you, you have to do sometimes, at least for them. Yeah, and I wonder if other women have this experience. When mm -hmm. I, I, I do know um, that when I need something done for a reason as a shift lead, and I just 
state that very clearly. It's often heard as I'm yelling at you because I wasn't like, oh, please, stranger, sir, could you maybe do mm -hmm. thing? Thanks very much. It's like, no, I need you to do, do this thing. Um, and it gets interpreted differently, I think, than it would if it was from a male shift lead. Mm -hmm. um, but then we're, but when we're on the radio and it's busy, I can't be like, hey, thanks so much, yeah. the way that I would in person, right? Well, my situation was different because my, my crew is intimately, you know, <laughs> we're right there together, you know, and some of these guys who used to give me shit about, oh, you're just working in an office. And go, oh, you're not really a ranger. You don't walk the dirt. My last year on the playa at the 107 Lounge, I don't know who this was, but they're like, you know, Mary, you never did any really ranger shifts. You never walked oh. the dirt. Why don't you walk the dirt? And I, was, and I just let it go. I'm like, I actually, in the past, I've got a couple of those guys to work a shift in HQ. And that was like the best thing ever because they came out of going, what the f do that? Oh my God, it's just nuts in there. Everything's going on at the same time and people are crossing each other and their windows and papers fly, you know, and then there's a whole other line of respect there from that moment on to like, wow, you know, I get it. It's fun. It can be a lot of fun because you can work HQ with your partner there. It's, it's really okay. I don't know if they encourage that on the playa anymore, but they didn't. And uh, that was a draw. You can work with your partner in HQ. But um, yeah, we got a lot more respect after that from those people. It was a great thing. <laughs> okay, in answer to your question, I, I'm not sure that I can think of any specific instance where I got that kind of pushback or feedback in, in Rangers um, because I've gotten that kind of message in general my entire career. And, and and I just got over it really quickly. It's like if somebody says to me, I was like, this is the way I talk. You know, and I talk to everybody. I just talk to my kids. My kids. This is how I talk to my kids. <laughs> I don't have another way to talk. <laughs> yeah, it's always when I when I hear someone say Kate yelled at me, I'm like, I, I don't yell. I don't really have to. I'm like almost six feet tall, and I can just look at you. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. I had one final question before we signed off, which is to say that we've come so far and we want to go even further, right? We want to be super inclusive. We want everyone to feel welcome. And I wonder if you might share some advice as someone who's been a new person and then been around for a long time and been one of a million dirt rangers and then been someone in leadership. What would you tell new people that love the rangers, love the philosophy, aren't quite sure how to find their place? Because one thing we hear a lot is like, well... There's a lot of dudes that all kind of look the same and probably doesn't help that we all work at costumes and those look the same and, you know, trying to find your place or your way in. What would you say? Volunteer. Like I said before, the, the way I got in, you know, was taking a gamble, taking a jump, putting myself in a situation that wasn't necessarily very comfortable for me. But that was true even like on my first shift, I didn't go in and wait for somebody to come and partner me. I walked up to this group of six white dudes that looked like they knew what they were talking about. I was like, hi, it's my first shift. I'm Peaches. Who wants to be my partner? <laughs> <laughs> and I got text direct communication, Peaches. <laughs> yeah. Um, the wilting flower you are. <laughs> you know, camp at an outpost, you know, apply for, you know, one of the, you know, you know, available ranger gigs, work a number of different teams. It's like any other kind of group or, um, or employer workplace 
Yeah, the more people you know and you work with and you do something, then they'll remember you too um, and volunteer for things. I think also remember that those crusty old people that you see with all of the pins and whatever, two things. Um, we've all known each other for a really long time, so it's like, oh, we're friends, and we just get distracted, and it's not excluding. It's just we haven't met. You're friends we haven't met yet. But what came up for me, too, was remembering – uh, how it's like intimidated. I, I remember meeting Peaches. It was like, oh, I'm at Tokyo. Oh, and then, oh, we're going in the back. And under the shade, who, like, who are these people? Um, that like every one of us had that same experience that you're having of like not of being new and not knowing everybody. And being a new kid just sucks. Like it just sucks. And that can't get erased. But by showing up and by being open and by, um, being yourself and connecting with people, you get connected. I like what you said, Kate. And a lot of that is just hanging around and listening and watching and getting in there and doing some stuff. It's hard to be new there. It really is. And I, you know, I had it a little easy because my kids were rangers there. So I just had rangers to go back to. You know, I, I learned a lot from them. I learned a lot from Keeper and Peaches. Learned a lot from the women there. It's awesome. Love you. And I mean it. I really do. I really, really mean that. I think, you know, I got involved in training fairly early too. And that's something that I still do even with everything else. You know, it's, it's probably crazy that I am still training, but I do it because I meet so many people, um, new folks, you know, yep. if I do four or five trainings during the year. It's good for my soul. I think it's good that I've connected with all those folks. So, you know, so the, one of the ops managers is somebody that they've actually met, you know, and I can be just be a, a real human face. But it's really good for me to meet the new people because I'm not walking shifts in the dirt. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. Council people should walk the shift in the dirt. It's like, if you can figure out a way for me not to do a 25-hour shift every other day, I'll walk a goddamn shift, all right? <laughs> but with the training, I can, I really get to meet, you know, the the, the you know, the newer tenured rangers. Because so. you're so good at it. Like, you're so good at meeting new people. And, okay, I should change my handle to shit for names because like, <laughs> I'll meet you. <laughs> and, like, but you're so good at, like, staying connected to people once you've met them and making them feel really loved and seen. Even if the next time they see you, you're wearing 17 different hats and 19,000 radios and like, your shoes are on fire. You're still going to be like, hey, we met at this thing. Gotta go. Absolutely. How about you, Keeper? Yeah. My advice for new people is stick around and show up. And if you can come early or stay late, you should totally do that. Oh, yeah. Because when op tempo oh, yeah. is a little bit slower, there's a lot more time to make connections with people and um, ask questions and kind of find your place more in the organization. And I know um, even a lot of the past few years, especially, I've made a really concerted effort like, oh, it's going to be the this or that social at Tokyo. And I'm going to, I am going to go talk to lots of people who I don't know. And even though that's event week, by the time I get there, and I've been on Playa for a really long time already, and a whole bunch of stuff has already happened, and I'm pretty fried, and I have a hard time pushing myself, leaving all that stuff behind, and coming to be present in the moment, and reaching out the way that I intended to back in June and July. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I'm just like, uh, 
can't have a conversation right now. I just need to take a minute of quiet. So anyway, I agree with what you were saying, K-8, about, you know, to me, rangering is a lot about the ranger community and the ranger family. And um, that comes from those relationships. And those relationships come from spending time and telling yep. stories or just listening. Um, and don't be afraid. You see someone by the burn barrel, just come sit next to them and sit a spell. You're always welcome. Love burn barrels burn barrels are the best <laughs> burn barrels are the best i 100 percent agree yeah. <laughs> and i think we're going to have a new one at the at tokyo uh for the 2021 event cycle we're planning Ooh. it right now so stand Ooh. by it's going to be great <laughs> come and see the burn barrel at our second annual thanksgiving absolutely <laughs> it'll be going on sometime in august in a desert somewhere <laughs> come find it uh, well thank you all so much i feel like this podcast is our idea of a virtual burn barrel chat and it's been lovely spending time by the fire with all of you miss you and love you very much so thank good you to see you guys so good. love you all oh man how good to see your faces so yeah. good yeah. Come back Thanks. to the desert soon, y'all. <laughs> yeah. I'll be Take there. Care. All right. Waiting for you. Bye. Bye. That's it for Women of Khaki Wave 2. Thank you very much to Meredith Hare and K8 and Peaches for joining us. Thank you, Keeper, for such a nice episode. And we'll see you again next week. Take care. Radio check.